Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to ask you to try and stay in that place. We're going to keep moving in the spirit. God wants to touch some things. God wants to speak some things. God wants to move some things. And it works out really well. Because I, I want to touch some things and speak to some things and move some things. We're talking about the will of God. I mentioned last week, um, and I'm going to watch the clock here. We won't finish this today. But we're talking about the will of God. Processing through it, working through it. And I mentioned last week, this is by no means an exhaustive um, study. And it's by no means an all-authoritative sermon or preaching or series. Um, We'll go to the Word and we'll see what the Word says what the Word tells us, what the Word shows us, and then we have our testimony and those things we've experienced as we've grown in the Lord, as we've experienced things, and, and God has increased us, and, and we'll kind of take the two together. So it, it was in the last year, two years of my life. Oh, man, we've been here a year already. Let's go back a year. And the prior year and a half uh, was a... a a, um, a struggle, and that's all right. We grow in the times of struggle. It's true. Uh, I don't look forward to them, but I'm learning to embrace them. Uh, at the same time, we don't stay there. <laughs> we get what we need to get. We learn what we need to learn. We grow how God wants us to grow. He increases us. And then we move forward. And so it was in the prior year and a half uh, to this past year uh, when I asked the question. I, I reached out to a number of, of men, elder men, uh, ministers of the gospel. And one in particular, um, I invited certain men to speak into my life. Uh, I'm very picky with that. Uh, and I would, I would encourage you to be very picky with that also. Uh, matter of fact, we'll hit on some of that. It's going to take a couple weeks, but we'll get there. Um, but I, I, I was speaking to, to one former pastor, and it's not Brother Kylie, but another former pastor um, in, in, our, in our district, and, and he, he told me, Rob, when thinking of the will of God, and he described it this way, that there's, there's the, he described it this way, that there's uh, what is the will of God and what the will of God is. And if you wrote it out, it would probably help, or if, if I was organized enough to get it up there, that would probably help. Um, you're just going to have to take a pen and paper and write it down. Uh, but what the will of God is, period, and then I'd put an explanation point. It doesn't change. It's immutable, Brother Matson. Uh, it doesn't change. There's things we can go to the Word, and we will see what the will of God is. Uh, where we're about to go, once again, where we pick up where we left off, we'll see certain things are the established will of God. Uh, and God wants us to grow. It's God's will that all would come to repentance. It is God's will that all would come to salvation. Um, that doesn't change. 
Um, but then there's also the other part of it. So what the will of God is, and then there's what is the will of God. And, 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 and I know it's kind of a play on words, but it, it makes sense and it really works for me and, and maybe it'll work for you too. But what the will of God is for me and my life, it's more of an individual question. And I asked last week, um, and before I go any further, is it really loud to everyone else? Okay, so it's just really loud right here. That's fine, you don't have to change it. I was just curious. So I don't want to blow you out, but I was told, Rob, you live right here. <laughs> Not right here. Specifically, you live right here. Just, just like that. And, and, and I want to take the instruction because instruction's good. Hmm. Okay, so if this isn't, it works, Brother Keith, just leave it. I just wanted to know, this is great. I'm going to be right here because instruction's good. But what is the will of God and what the will of God is, what the will of God is, um, it can be more personal. You know, the will of God for the church, you know, that, that we would classify as what the will of God is. It doesn't change. You know, we start to get into ideas like predestination. The church is predestined. It, it, it's, it's set in stone. The church is. But we have individual choices because of free will, and, and, and I think that uh, what is the will of God kind of comes more into play on an individual basis. And so we started last week, we were talking about what the will of God is, the immutable, the unchangeable. We're going to flow a little bit more in that, and we'll finish up with this this week, and next week I'm going to get more so into that personal side of things, and we will once again look to the word Okay, because if I botch this, that's one thing. But if we're in the Word, we're going to be all right. <laughs> right? Because the Word sanctifies. The Word is holy. Uh, thy Word is truth, O Lord. And so we'll be fine. So with that, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we read this. So I won't, I won't spend a lot of time here. But the will of God. Finally, starting with verse 1, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing. I love being able to say that, and I mean it. It's in my heart. You're doing better than what you think you are. You're here. You're doing all right. You're doing great. You're not going to stay where you're at, but you're doing better than what you think you are. And sometimes we're a little too hard on ourselves. Sometimes we're a little too hard on others. But you're here. You're in the right place at the right time. So just as you are doing, continuing though, do so more and more. Very clear to see the increase, the encouragement to increase more and more. For you know what instructions we gave to you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And it is true, you know, there's three parts of, of, of salvation. And this is pretty universal. This transcends the boundaries of different religions and organizations. But it is true. We, we, we have been saved. We are being saved. And you will be saved. It, it is true. I absolutely agree with that, and, and it's biblical. 
We are in that process. And so it's the same thing. We talk, you know, some of us are familiar. We've read the books and we're familiar with the, the, the terms of sanctification, placement sanctification, and progressive sanctification. And so plain, placement sanctification, uh, if you're not familiar with it, is you come, you come to God, you come to, to church for the first time, or maybe someone, no, no, let's not say that. Someone has been reaching for you. And someone's been speaking into your life. And someone has brought you, and now you're at a point in a moment where, that we've all experienced where, okay, we have an encounter with Jesus. On our knees, probably. And God reaches down to the repentive heart and forgives and covers with his blood and fills us with his spirit. We go down in the waters of baptism. And for some of us, God not only washed away those sins, but healed us of certain things, delivered us of certain things. And others of us, I would say I'm probably in this category, not everything was healed and delivered of. I'll just be honest, I've still got struggles. And so there's the need for progressive sanctification. The placement sanctification is what God did in that moment at that time. And for some people, he just delivers them of the drugs or the alcohol or the pornography addictions or whatever it may be. That does happen. God is that great. He's done it before. He will do it again. But that's placement sanctification. Progressive is we're still working on it. And he's still working on me. Do I need to sing it again? He's still working on me, right? To make me what I ought to be. We sing it in Sunday school class. It only took him a week to make this moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. Do they still call all the planets those? They seem to change it every once in a while. But he's still working on me. That's all right. It's all right. You're doing all right. Just don't stay where you're at. God wants you to increase. It is, is his will for you to increase. Amen? Okay, so sanctification. That is God's will. I'm going to try to do a better job sticking to my notes. Verse 11. We'll jump to verse 11. Yeah, we'll start right before that. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. The last part of 10. More and more. Once again, it's very clearly continue, increase in this. And to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. And I'll interject. <laughs> Do me a favor. Look at your hands. To work with your hands quietly. Okay. In context, yes. But I would rather that we look at these hands and say, God, teach these hands to war. Hmm. Teach these hands to war. Your hands, eh, do me a favor, look at your hands if you would. Those hands are made for war. Oh, these hands are made for war. I will show you in the word God's intention is for these hands to war. Amen. We'll get there. 
Thank you, Jesus. Jumping ahead to chapter 5 and verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be peaceful among yourselves. Now remember, we're talking about what is the will of God. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Um, just gonna not debrief. Just gonna mention what we talked about a little bit last night. It is God's will that you would be reaching for someone. Brother Bill Davis um, in, in their church in Georgia, um, one of their models, one of their, and it became their culture was we get saved. We stay saved, and we save someone else. Matter of fact, deep in our roots of this church, I can go back in my memory bank some 35 years ago plus, and I remember the campaigns of if each one will reach one. It's not about doubling the size of abundant life. This is a kingdom issue. This is a kingdom culture thing this is really ought to be in our dna and if we take those hands back up these hands that were made to war your hands that were made to war they're made to reach and you have the ability to do so yes you do so right along with what is god's will what what the will of god is it is for us to be reaching it is for us to be leading. It is for us to be speaking into someone's life. It, and we have so many opportunities. You know, and I'll take my liberty and I'll speak to it a little bit here. We've got so many opportunities. We don't need to look very far. And there are plenty of opportunities to reach for people and to speak into their lives. We'll come back to that too. We'll just open up a big can of worms and... <laughs> God will do something with it. Amen. So we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. Now I'm going to ask some questions. You don't have to answer, but have you admonished someone lately? In particular, the idol. Encourage the faint-hearted. Have you encouraged someone lately? Help the weak. Have you helped someone who's a little weak lately? And anyone who's ever done any of those should be able to very easily say amen, be patient with them all because it's going to take some patience. It's all right. Soul work is slow work. Hmm. Soul work is slow work. I didn't make that up. Another man spoke that into my life at the right time when I needed it. And it's true. It's true. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Now remember, what is the will of God? This is it right here. Rejoice always. That is the will of God. It is the will of God that we pray without ceasing. It is the will of God that we give thanks in all circumstances. 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and for me. Doesn't change. It continues on. It, it is the will of God that we quench not the spirit. Oh, we're going to linger here for a second. I love, I love when there's liberty to operate and to feel things out. I love just entering a little bit in to pr that prayer right before we change the service. I hope that doesn't make us uncomfortable. Uh, actually, maybe it's better to be said that we ought to be comfortable being a little uncomfortable. It might just be that hmm, if we're too comfortable, we might need to check ourselves. That'll come back around. <laughs> Do not quench the spirit. God's will is that we would not quench the spirit. It's God's will that we would not despise prophecies. It is God's will that we would test everything. It is God's will that we would hold fast to what is good. I will interject, it's probably God's will then to let go of what's not. It would make sense, right? It's God's will to abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So it started with God's will to sanctify us, and it finishes with God continuing to sanctify us as we increase. May the God of peace sanct uh, himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit... Hmm. And I'm just going to... I'm not changing the word of God, but I'm going to emphasize it this way. May your whole spirit, may your whole soul and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the most beautiful part of it, and let me just, before I read this, let me clarify here. This is not, oh, I have to do this or else. This is not, uh, help me out here, what's some words for that? Legalism. This is not, I better or else. This is all about God. At that very moment of the placement sanctification saying, I want to be in covenant relationship with you. And most of us here, if, if not all of us, are married. And, and so we, we know when our marriage is good and we know when our marriage is not feeling so good. And we know it has a lot to do with deposits and withdrawals. And, and, and really it's the same thing. With covenant relationship with God, his part, once again, is unchangeable. It's absolute. It is. It's, it's there. The, the principles, the, the blessings, the promises, uh, it's there for us to partake in. Our part, though, just like our marriages, what are we going to put into it? What are we going to invest in it? Because it will make all the difference. And that's what I'm speaking of here. It's not, oh, I have to do this or else. It's 
God wants me to draw close. God wants to, you to draw near. God's wanting you to come closer and closer and spend more time and more time. And as you do that, it will be no different than it was with Moses. You will come out of the presence of God and there's going to be a residue of God on you. And what's beautiful about this, it's not, oh, i got to be holy because he is holy. No, just coming into his presence and spending time with him. He has a way of sanctifying you and changing you. And it's not a matter of work. It's what I want to do because it pleases him. It's how we end up in a wonderful marriage. It's how we end up in a wonderful covenant relationship with God. It's how we increase. Does that make sense? Because it's true. Oh, and I, I, I fear that so many people miss it by just a little bit, and then they miss it by a mile. God's longing for us. It's what it's all about. Okay, so that's my recap, if you will. The will of God. So coming out of that, I already asked the question once, but I, I'm not just here to fill time. And I'm not just up here because it makes me feel good. I'm up here because God has put something right here. And if there's one thing we can see, going right back to the beginning of the church, is that the word of God, the ministered word of God, ought to invoke a response. And right on the very first church day, <laughs> that's exactly what it did. Peter preached a message and it invoked a question. Did I say response? It invokes a question. Men and brethren, what should we do? And, and so, I hope you don't get upset with me when I, when I ask for participation. But I believe in this with all my heart. And, and I, 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 can, I know there's ministering going on right here, right now. And, and if I'm wrong, then let's just turn the lights off and go home. But I'm not wrong, because God is real. And these lights are going to stay on. <laughs> and I don't ever want to go home. <laughs> and I love home, but I love, I love this. I love this. Hmm, okay. Wasting too much time. So the questions. The question that I'll ask you, and you don't have to answer but, but I want you to really ponder this. Are you right now stronger than you were six months ago? Depend upon how long you've been serving God. Are you more spiritually fit? I'm, I'm asking you to take inventory. Are you more spiritually fit than you were five years ago? Are, are, are you... Hmm... Are you more spiritually active? Are you more ministerially active than you were a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago? I, I guess I could even ask you this way. Do you feel like right now you are in your prime? And, and, and I don't think age has much to do with prime. Not in these matters. I really don't. But I'm asking you, and not in a way of condemning at all, but of encouraging. 
Because we're talking about what the will of God is, and the will of God is that you would increase. And you can do that. You can increase. And I will tell you this. You can increase regardless of what the circumstances are around you. You can increase regardless of, of the struggles and the trials that you are going through. Because I'm telling you, God will use them to increase you. And if anyone knows this, well, I think that if we were all honest, we could all agree. And I know it to be true. And I believe you do too. So in this question, are you stronger than you were? Let me clarify. Let me ask it this way. Are, are you comfortable, comfortable and confident, especially after we just read, and, and are you comfortable and confident or comfortable or confident in encouraging someone else? Literally, you notice someone's not doing well. Would you be comfortable or confident in going up to a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord Approaching them and encouraging them. And not looking for an answer, but I'm asking you to, to really think about it. My second question. You ready for it? Would you be comfortable or confident, one or the other or both, of going up to and warning someone? We'll make this easy. Warning, let's say, a youth, a young adult who's coming into their own and is about to make their decision to go ahead and play the role of the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. Would you be comfortable or confident in speaking into their life with a warning? Evaluating here. I got a third question for you. Just speaking into someone's life. How about praying? Would you be comfortable or confident praying for someone else? Got another question. Would you be comfortable or confident, one or the other or both, praying? with somebody else. I like this prayer one because we all ought to be better at praying than what we all are. And we all ought to be a little bit more comfortable. And I'm not condemning. I'm going to bring this back around. I need to be more comfortable. It ought to be the first thing that comes to our mind. Let's pray. And it ought to never slip our mind as the last thing that we would say, let's pray. But I'm asking you for you, and I'm asking me for me. How about this one? Number six. Would you be comfortable or confident? Are you ready for this one? In holding someone accountable. Hmm. It's not hard. And it's also right. And it's okay. 
I'm not the pastor of this church, but I still got a phone call. I'm not going to be there tonight, and I just had to let you know. You know, that's right. That's the good thing. That's the right thing. It's okay. Are you okay with me talking about these things? Because I want to be real. And I'm going somewhere with this. Hmm. Holding someone accountable. And I threw in seven just because. It's fun. And it doesn't really have to do, but, oh, number seven. Would you be comfortable or confident with someone else holding you accountable? That one's just to ponder. I believe in this. And I'll be honest with you, I need this. I need this. I need the church. I need God in my life. It's weeks like this are good weeks. Sunday was church. It's here, made it for prayer on, on Monday. As in Bible study on Tuesday. Back in church on Wednesday. I need this. And a great many of others do too. I don't, it's a, wherever the saying comes from. Idle mind, devil's workshop. Idle hands, devil's workshop. It's very easy for me to say, and it's, it's very truthful for me to say to whoever we're mentoring, you got to get busy. Matter of fact, I'll botch up my notes a little bit more, but to quote James Little, Dr. James Little, he's got it just right when he talks about the four steps of holiness. The four steps, anyone familiar with that? Step number one, and it's very easy, it's what Israel did. You get out of Egypt. So step number one by Dr. James Little, get out of the dump. Get out of the dump. Step number two in holiness is get the dump off of you, right? Sanctification, progressive, see how, how it comes together. Some things are still lingering, old patterns, old ways we need to shed as we're growing and increasing in Christ. Step number three, get a job. Get a job. Now, we're not talking about a secular job. It's time to start working in the kingdom. Remember, we looked at these hands. It's time to start warring in the kingdom. It's time to start doing something productive in the kingdom. For us, that happens in the church. It's a great place to start. In one of my recent Bible studies, we hit a moment where, where it was said, oh, we just want to start doing something good. The do-gooder mentality, right? Because it's a prevalent thing in our society. It'll make you feel good if you're doing something good. And so we've been thinking, you know, maybe we go and we participate in a soup kitchen or something of that. And, and my soul, my, my spirit, the spirit is saying, no! And it makes it very easy at that moment to interject. Wait a second. You don't have to go looking. And I quote myself, Right? You were there. I can put you to work in the church. There's plenty for you to do. Get a job. And in the fourth step of holiness, 
believe it or not, let's get back in the dump. At this time, you're ready, and it's time to go back in and reach and grab someone else. This is God's will for all of us. Brother Littles is spot on in his four steps of holiness. So, I, I asked the question. This all starts intentionally. Intentionally. And this has been on my heart, and I believe Pastor Cordell uh, spoke of it on, on Sunday a little bit too, but living intentionally. Not just coming to church and hoping, but you know what? Being ready, instant, in season, out of season, being ready, living intentionally, looking for a opportunity. And I will encourage us all, we don't have to look that far. There's plenty of places to reach. There's plenty of people to start ministering to. Amen. Well, okay. It starts intentionally. If we, it's not in my notes, but if we look at the book of Acts chapter 2. Yeah, that's all right, I can burn some time. I already said I'm going to make a series out of it, right? Acts chapter 2, it's right there at the end of the chapter. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's the purest form of doctrine, and it's the purest form of the Christian lifestyle. They were daily in the temple and daily home to home. And one thing should come to all of our minds that one program, if you will, that we have that fits this bill perfectly Bible studies. Bible studies. I don't know who came up with the home Bible study chart, who was the originator of it, but I believe they were spot on. And you know what is so amazing? Take a look at those hands again. You can do it. You can teach a Bible study. Many of us have, but you can do it. It is so amazing to me uh, when, when, when you have those aha moments, when, when you speak something, and you can feel it hit the mark. And you can see the eyes light up. Huh. And you realize at that moment, I'm nobody and nothing. God, you are awesome. And you put the right words at the right time. And life-changing moments. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like that moment when you weren't even premeditating it, but you just speak it. You're teaching someone. 
He doesn't attend church. Definitely does not pay tithes. Definitely, he's just there because his marriage is on the rocks. And when you speak in that moment and you're talking about Israel coming out of Egypt and God brings them out in rank and order and the Spirit just quickens you right in that moment and, and, and you say, the reason why there's the structure, the reason why there's the order is because it's just like in the military, how you can't just come in and do your own thing because there's a greater purpose that's bigger than you and you don't understand all the ins and outs of it, but you have to fulfill a specific role for the overall picture. And you just see the eyes light up and then you remember after you just said it, oh, he was a Marine. And I'm telling you, an aha moment that just changed everything. At, up until that time, I would bring him into my office and I would have to establish it every single week. This is a place of faith, whether you believe it or not, when you step into this office, we're believing it for truth. We're taking it at face value. After that, I never had to even mention it. After that, he starts coming to church. I never said a word about it. He starts coming on Sundays and on Wednesdays. I don't know who told him about tithing, but he just started tithing. And I can take it all back to one aha moment. There was nothing I did other than made myself available for God to use. I could go on and on with the aha moments how you can speak so intentionally, how in the middle of a Bible study, all of a sudden, and check this out, not even born again yet. I love this. Not even born again yet. And yet I have to stop in that moment and say, wait a second, what we're seeing right here, what we're speaking about right here, this is exactly that. Matter of fact, I'll just be honest with you. Not even filled with the Holy Ghost yet. I'm mentoring you right now. I'm preparing you right now because I'm reaching for you right now. I'm operating on the prayer of the saints right now. I'm reaching in faith right now. And there's going to be a moment and a time not far from now. I'm literally speaking this to someone who doesn't even have the Holy Ghost yet, hasn't even been baptized yet. But you're going to be reaching for someone else. It's going to be the same thing going over because I'm discipling you right now. And you see the lights go off. And it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And you know, I'm, all, I'm absolutely okay with it because God has a way of backing me up. I, I, I just botch myself through this so many times, don't I? And then all of a sudden we'll see it in scripture. And I'm reminded, wait a second, Jesus commissioned the apostles or the disciples before he ever filled them or they were born again of water and of spirit and he had already commissioned them. Why? Because he'd already been discipling them. He had been intentional in what he was doing. <sighs> It's, it's part of my testimony, but it works. And so, if, if it's the pattern God gave us, and we're talking about his will, you realize how empowering it is to take his pattern and his will and just running with it? Whether you feel like you're ready to or not. I would say whether you even feel like you have the faith to do it or not. You can still start. You can encourage someone. You can 
speak into someone's life. You can pray with and for someone. You can increase in these things. Wow. Second Peter, chapter 1. Second Peter, chapter 1, and verse 3. His divine power has granted to us... Oh, let me back up here. <laughs> I know you don't have seatbelts out there, but in Jesus' name, buckle them up. We're going to cover some ground. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You realize the Holy Ghost has already granted that to us. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through, though, it's through the knowledge of him who called us to his own, to his own glory and excellence, by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises. That through them, through what? Through the promises by which he's granted, and through that knowledge, right? And the power, knowledge and power. These are all building up. These are all things to increase in us as we recognize them in their right priority and apply them to our lives. It's progressive. Matter of fact, say that with me. It's progressive. That's God's will for it to be progressive. Through them, you may, so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That, that's, that sanctification process of all things that become new, the, the old man has passed away. We're now empowering and feeding the, new, the, the spirit and taking on spiritual muscle. Growing, increasing. It's the sanctification process. For this reason, we're encouraged, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. I'm not going to go into it, but that virtue is dunamis power. It is the Holy Ghost. So faith, take every effort, every effort. I'm going to stop here for a second. Really think about putting forth effort. Think of some of those things that you've really gotten into, that really have captivated your heart and your attention, that you've put your, oh, that you've put your energy into. I can think of a great many things that I've wasted my energy, my time, my money's on. Amen. <laughs> And when I go into it, I go all out into it. And I don't think I'm the only one. But think of those things you really put effort into. And now think about this. Our walk with God, increasing in God, increasing in, in our awareness, in the spiritual realm, in our prayer. Dare I say the F word, fasting. Oh. Another man is speaking in my life. I love fasting. <laughs> Come on. No way. <laughs> oh. 
I don't. <laughs> For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. I'm reading this because this is what the will of God is for us to increase, period. It's in the word. God wants us to increase. And yet there's that, that part again. Yes, God did the work, and it's all by grace, but it's very clear in here that it's going to be a struggle for us that we bring to the table our effort and truly reach for these things, to increase in these things, and we will look at what they are. For these qualities, in verse 8, are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You realize what we're being told here. If we'll put forth the actual effort to increase in these things, it will make us fruitful in the kingdom of God. For whoever lacks these qualities, now, now here's, here's the warning. For whoever lacks these qualities, if we're not growing and we're not increasing, don't be surprised if we find ourselves nearsighted, so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten, hmm, that he was cleansed from his former sins. You know what that's saying. We can kind of look at some things as gauges if we're just going to be real honest and if we care enough to really look at it. If we're not progressing in that sanctification process, there's a good chance that our eyesight is so dim we might as well be blind. To the point of we don't even remember that we've been sanctified and that we've been already cleansed from those sins and they're still coming back and still overwhelming and overtaking us. That's not your portion, and that is not mine. It's not God's will for you. God's will for you and for me is that we would increase, that we would increase. Amen. Therefore, verse 10, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. It, it continues to go on. Verse 12 through 13 is just what I feel in the spirit. And so I'm going to read it. Therefore, I intend always, let this be my proclamation. I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. And I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. And that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Okay, so. In closing, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. And I'll wrap this up in four minutes. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Sometimes we quote things, and sometimes it's in part. A lot of times... Things are quoted even from the pulpit, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of a little out of context. This is one of them that I was wrong on. And so, 
from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. And I, whenever I've heard it quoted, I've heard it quoted as it reads, that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And for some reason I was thinking, I don't know if that's really in context, but guess what it is. It is. Listen to this. The best commentary I could find on this. From the day of the first appearing of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. Like the violence of an army taking a city by storm or of a crowd bursting into a house, so the violent take it by force. Multitudes are wrought upon by the ministry of John and, because, and became his disciples. Multitudes became his disciples. And it is... And it is... Uh, place in this kingdom that one would think had no right or title to it. What it's saying is the most unlikely became the leaders. What it's saying is there was religious leaders at the time who were denying Jesus and were not interested. And so those who wouldn't have been the likely leaders become the leaders. And it's not a natural thing. It's not a... a it's not because of uh, prestige or it's not because they've earned it. It's because they believe it and they're going to reach for it. They're going to do whatever it takes because they really, truly believe. Okay, let me continue on here. The improbable multitude. Those strove for a place in this kingdom that one would think had no right or title to it. And so seem to be the intruders. When the children of the kingdom are, were excluded out, meaning the, the, what you would have thought the Israelites would have been the right ones to be, the religious leaders should have been the greatest in the kingdom, but that's not the case. It's those who believed, those who received. And when they did believe and receive, it caused something to stir up within them and it caused a life-changing effect in their lives. It changed everything. They gave everything. We saw that in the book of Acts to the point where they went out and sold everything because they were 100% sold out. Suffered violence. When the children of the kingdom are excluded out of it and many come into it from the east and the west, when it suffereth violence. The publicans and the harlots believed John, whom the scribes and the Pharisees rejected, and so went into the kingdom of God before them. It is no breach of good manners to go to heaven before our betters. It is a great commendation of the, of the gospel from the days of its infancy that it has brought many to holiness that were very unlikely. And in... in a portunate multitude. This violent denotes a strength and vigor, an earnestness of desire and endeavor in those who follow John's ministry. It shows us also that fervency and zeal are required of those who, de uh, who design to make heaven of their religion. They who would enter into the kingdom of heaven must strive to enter. That kingdom suffers a holy violence. We must run and wrestle and fight and be in agony and all 
little enough to win such a prize and to get over such opposition from without and from within, the violent take it by force. They who have interest in the great salvation are carried out towards it with a strong desire, will have it upon any terms and not think them hard nor quit their hold without a blessing. Referring back to hmm, Israel getting his name changed from Jacob. And here you have it. The kingdom of heaven was never intended to indulge the ease of triflers, but to be the rest of them that labor. Oh, that we could see a greater number with a holy contention, hmm, thrusting themselves into it. In closing, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That appeals to most of us, right? <laughs> but let me fill you in here. This is the end. It's, this all started a chapter earlier. We just read about the kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, and the violent taketh by force, which was right in the middle. And I'll just paraphrase this because we're out of time. But chapter 10 starts with the calling of the 12 apostles. It's in verse 5 that these 12 uh, that Jesus chose, he, Jesus sends them out instructing them. Verse 7, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That's the instruction he sends them out with. He's empowered them. You have been empowered and I have been empowered. If we would realize the power that we have in our hands and in our testimony, in our voices and in our faith, if we would just put it into action. It's powerful. But it's followed up in verse 16 with a warning. Jesus gives them instruction. He tells them what to do, but then he tells them persecution is going to follow you. Hmm. They'll deliver you over, but do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. What you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speaketh, but the Spirit of your Father speaketh through you. And then, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But he's not done yet. You get to chapter, or verse 26, and Jesus starts to speak to them about having no fear. Matter of fact, he tells them, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then, a hard teaching. A hard teaching. And I'm okay with this. Because I'm going to be real. Not peace, but a sword. You do realize the gospel is offensive. Matter of fact, when God delivered it, more people were offended by it then we're not. It's the truth. Do not think, in verse 34, that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring 
peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, a a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. But listen to the rest of the story. What's the point Jesus is making? Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What Jesus is telling them is nothing can be more important than me. This covenant relationship that I've brought you into, that I'm empowering you with, it needs to be everything to you. And if this is everything to us, it won't take much to realize, you know what, I'm going to put forth the effort in faith and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to enter into this warfare. These hands were made to war. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violent and the violent taketh by force. Go ahead and stand with me. What's your point, Rob? My point is this, there's a parallel at the end of it all. We read what Jesus said about the rest. You do realize that that rest, we'll read it one more time. Come unto me and I will give you rest. All who labor and are heavy laden. What I love about this is there's a parallel. This is catching the new and the old the young and the aged. Right within that text, there was come, take. I love that Jesus said, learn from me. I will teach you, I will show you, and find rest. Yes, that is for the person hmm, coming out of the dump. But it's also, and maybe even more so, for the person who's gone back in. And who's weary from the laboring. It's right there. Come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. If anything, if anything, what it's telling us is, you've been born into something. Something so real that will sanctify you. It will grow you and increase you. But we have a responsibility to get beyond our comfort, beyond what we're comfortable with. And you know what? If we're not comfortable praying with someone, it might just be time to hmm, suffer a little bit of violence and take some things by force. Submit the flesh and say, no more of this. I'm going to start being who God wants me to be and what God's expecting me to be. What and I say it all the time, for the sake of someone else. This is God's will. And I ran out of time, and I feel like I didn't do a good enough job. But I've got next week, and I'll recap for 10 minutes. (laughs) And we'll come back and do it again, and next week will be better than this week. But here's my point, and I know I accidentally lied. I'm not, I'm not condemning. We hear it all the time. And it's true. We're living in the last days. And even if God tarries another thousand years, our last days are getting shorter. 
I've wasted enough time and I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And you know what? I'm done being comfortable. It's time to get a little bit more uncomfortable. And I'm thankful that God's given me the opportunities to speak into some people's life. I'm praying and reaching for more. And I'm encouraging you. There is so many Jethers out there after 40 years of this ministry. They're everywhere. We don't even have to go out and find new people. We don't even have to go out and, and, and find new co-workers and neighbors. Oh, yeah, we need to do that, too. If you don't know where to put your hands to, come see me. I've got a list. We can do this. You can do this. And it is the will of God for you to increase and for us to reach and for us to grow. Thank you, Jesus. I won't wait too long. Thank you for your patience. Jesus, you are so good. And once again, I thank you. God, I thank you for reaching down some 12 years ago. Hmm, in a place, in a moment of lethargy. A place when I was asleep. I thank you for yanking the carpet out from underneath my feet. And I apologize for the rest of the world for what they had to experience along the way. But God, you've stirred something. And God, I know you're stirring something. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org. At